On the cover, KT and Stitch stand back to back, their faces bloody and frayed, surrounded by Farsec agents as they stare down the barrels of dozens of automatic rifles. The agents are being controlled by ominous puppet strings dangling from the sky. Wonderworld Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 3, A Stitch in Time, Issue 1, Pulling on Strings. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Our comic opens with a nice wide shot of the Shopco. It's uh, evening. It's been uh, a few days since the death of Zorn Zartan, and he's been settling in quite nicely on Earth. I think he's currently... Uh, I think he's stayed at the Shopco for a night or two, but has since moved in at the library and has been getting along fantastically with Threshold and loves reading anything and everything he can get his hands on. But we start out with KT in the Shopco. Moonflower is out on a mission with Shrike, following up leads on the Uztek and Pariah connection. Midas is on another one of his walkabouts, and Southpaw had to cover a shift for Ren at the burger stand. What do you typically do when you find yourself alone at the shop, girl? I shall very gingerly pick up Sam's wallet, which he usually absentmindedly leaves behind, and uh, I take the $2 that he has given me permission to take once a week. And I, uh, I slowly phase through the top of the building and uh, go about to find some uh, some boba tea. Uh, what is your favorite boba tea shop that you've found in, uh, in the area? Lucky Fans. So as you are waiting uh, to get your, your tea from Lucky Fans, there's a TV on in the corner. And the news broadcaster is talking about how... In the wake of the incident on the beach in which an alien was killed and the young Vindicator's jet was destroyed by these delinquent teenagers who interfered with an official young Vindicator's mission, that in in light of these events, uh, Mayor G. Georgie Georgeson has passed the the Accountability and Superhuman Safety Act, which has given... The Farsec and police uh, sweeping oversight and powers to arrest and seize individuals with anomalous powers or who participate in illegal and unsanctioned vigilante activities. And uh, where do you typically go to enjoy your boba tea? I generally once paying a dollar fifty for the boba and giving fifty cents back as a tip. Usually, I float and uh, slowly sip it while just kind of spinning in circles, watching to see if any delinquency or ne'er-do-well happen. Got to be on the lookout. Sometimes, if it's clear out, I'll watch the skies for any satellites passing by and just trace the movements of their orbit over Earth that they leave in the Earth's magnetic field. While you are drifting lazily, watching the sunset and sipping your boba, you, your earpiece intercepts a communication, or rather, uh, Moonflower's computer at the Shopco has intercepted a uh, Farsec communication and forwarded it to you. And uh, you quickly surmise that you are listening in on the comms of a Farsec capture squad that has been sent out into the field, and they are currently on a mission. And uh, you can hear over the radio, uh, This is Agent Baker. All agents move in and surround the building. We have assets on the roof and approaching the front door of the Hijinx Variety Theater. We have confirmation that the target is on site. I will, uh, I would like to attempt to bend light and heat around me to become invisible, and then rocket towards the Hijinx at 300 miles an hour. You've been getting pretty good at that. Yeah, I think you're, that's probably like you're not under duress or anything. I think that's well within your power set. Page ends with a panel of KT 
rocketing across the city. And we turn the page and get an overhead shot of the hijinks variety theater in kind of southwestern uh midtown it's kind of like off off broadway but yeah a, a wonderful little uh variety theater and part-time cabaret <laughs> that is surrounded by black farsec vehicles and agents swarming in every direction and uh woman with long Albert hair and a crisp black suit that eagle-eyed readers will recognize as Agent Baker is approaching the front door. Stitch, where are you when Agent Baker raps on the front door of the theater? This is during the day, correct? Um, this is, uh, yeah, it's kind of evening. Stitch is probably the bouncer right now. So she's going to be taller than normal and earlier uh, in form with a big black hoodie on that says security. Um, and while people are usually pretty well behaved at the hijinks variety theater, there's a lot of respect for Bernadette in town. This is seen as an up and coming venue where people who come to town can kind of get their foot in the door and maybe meet some connections and make a name for themselves. So um, there's not much ruffianness, but when there is, Stitch is taking care of that. Um, so Stitch may honestly answer the door. So you uh, open the door to see Agent Baker holding out her badge. She says, Agent Baker of Farsec, I'm here with a warrant. Search the premise and sees an anomalous experiment that has escaped our custody. Are you Bernadette Mjolnitz? Mirnitz? Minutes? Miss Melnitz? I can go get her. She should be in her office about this time. Thank you. Um, Stitch is gonna probably head back and tell Bernadette about this. And at this point, she probably doesn't think much about it. She knows she can never let them find her, but she doesn't know who they are. And honestly, in a second, depending on if agents flood in, one of her rules, the way she interpreted it, is going to activate. Where uh, where do you find Bernadette? And what does she look like? Uh, give us a quick physical description as we see her on page for the first time. Well, second time. I think she's in like a backstage office surrounded by like piles of like paperwork and fabric and all sort of assorted things, probably like a tray of drinks. But she's also just like sitting next to a mirror, like one of those makeup mirrors with a bunch mm -hmm. of lights and stuff around it. So it's just like a multi-purpose office and everything. Also her dressing room. She's probably overwhelmed with something. And uh, she'll probably be pretty shocked to hear what uh, Stitch has to say. Yes. This is probably something she's been worried about. Um, I picture she's probably a woman in her early 70s. She's a little punched over, but she has, like, a dramatic flair. She's definitely wearing bangles and <laughs> scarves and uh, whatever kind of, like, floor-length dress she's wearing has a lot of, like, lace or layers or fabric or ruffles mm -hmm. unnecessary and dramatic. Lots of patterns. Indeed. I, yes, I too had a drama teacher in high school. Yes, Bernadette, who is Usually a very charming and put-together woman is her, uh, her brow immediately furrows and she gets uh, very, very quiet and stands up very suddenly and says, Now, Stitch, darling, I'm going to need you to stay very quiet and to stay away from these very bad people. They are here to try and take you away from me. But you must understand, I will not let that happen. Stitch nods solemnly and is suddenly tense. She's, she's ready. She's definitely going to be peering through whatever crap or she can to see, you know, Bernadette's inter interaction with Agent Baker. Yes, so the interaction is very tense and very heated. Um, like, Bernadette knows what's up. She knows um, ACAB and is not a fan of Farsec to begin with. And is doing a pretty good job of stonewalling them at the door. And that is the scene that you arrive to, KT, as you 
swoop down. There is a loud conversation that is now escalated into shouting. And you can see that while this whole conversation has been going on, uh, heavily armed and armored agents wearing riot gear and carrying automatic weapons are encircling the building. The Farsec agent shouting at the door. I would like to take a split second to alter the density of the mixture of gases coming out of her mouth. I would like to lessen the density to the point where her voice becomes very, very high-pitched before phasing into the wall and into the building. Oh my god, please do. Um, yeah, go ahead and roll plus freak to unleash your powers. That is going to be an 8 plus 1. Cool, so on a hit, you do it. Um, but you have to, uh, you can choose to mark a condition or I will tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. Let's see how unstable and temporary it is. Miss Moldnats, we came here with strict orders and an active search warrant in order to apprehend a very dangerous and ongoing threat that has been an ongoing issue in this And she's getting more and more frustrated and turns to her sergeant who realizes something has gone astray. And as you are phasing through the wall, you can he, you see him touch his uh, finger to an earpiece, and he uh, you can hear him kind of mutter into the comms, send in the assets. Oh, no. So you phase through the wall, and Bernadette uh, hasn't noticed you. She is still telling Agent Baker exactly where she can stick it. I don't know if you see Stitch, but I'm assuming... Are you still invisible? Sorry. Or KT? Indeed. Interesting. Have the assets started to flood in? And if so, what are those assets? Well, if you are keeping an eye out uh, for them, it sounds like you might be assessing the situation. See if I can take after Moonflower. Yes. Got a plus one to Superior, and it's 2d6, correct? All right, that is a 9, plus 1 to 10. So that is a hit. On a 10+, plus. you get to ask two questions from the following list, and you take a plus 1 forward while acting on the answers. What here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is in the greatest danger? Who here is most vulnerable to me? And how can we best end this quickly? What here is the biggest threat? And what here can I use to blend in with my surroundings? So you are keeping an eye, kind of peering out the windows. There's lots of little uh, gaps and peepholes throughout the stage that you've uh, found. And uh, you know how to keep an eye on the building. So you do notice there are plenty of armed Farsec agents with guns. And you know from watching television that the guns are very dangerous and loud, but not very accurate. However, uh, you do notice two other individuals who do not look like Farsec agents. They're a little bit bigger and burlier. Uh, they're both wearing black kind of tactical body armor and these strange black helmets. They have like, like a full visor on the front, but it's totally blacked out. And they have some red lights kind of blinking on the sides and on the back. And one of them has a backpack that is also glowing red and is carrying a large looking laser rifle and whoever these two are these are definitely the assets that have just been called in and the way that the farsec agents are eyeing them and the way that there are seems like there are just as many guns trained on the two of them as there are at the doors and windows of the building you are beginning to suspect that these two might have superpowers. All right. And then uh, what here can you use to blend into your surroundings? There is a rolling rack of costumes that's on like wheels that you could easily blend in with any of the fabulous designs or colors or patterns. And it also is on wheels and mobile. And uh, I think that would be probably your best option. I think um, Stitch is one of her rules is going to trigger. 
since the theater is now filling with Farsec agents. And she's going to essentially, in her exaggerated interpretation of it, attempt to take the form of a Farsec agent, conceal her needle in an automatic rifle, and start rifling around the theater because everyone else is doing it. That is so cool. So it sounds to me like you are unleashing your powers. I absolutely am. See, that is... Uh, a roll plus your freak. That is a 10. Two fours plus two. Amazing. That on a 10, you do it. So you absolutely pull it off. And I'm going to say none of the other Farsec agents notice, but KT, uh, from where you are standing invisibly observing, you see a... What does it look like when you change forms, Stitch? It's a pretty quick change, or maybe at one point it gets to that point, but... uh. Someone like KT would definitely notice it. There's a whirl of what seems to be fabric as my threads weave and unravel and change shape. Um, there's definitely an uncanny nature to it. If you're looking at her face or plastic mm-hmm. human parts as they kind of melt or transfigure, Stitch is confident in this. She's seen plenty of TV shows with these kinds of agents and these storming, so she thinks she can nail this look. So she mm-hmm. goes to her base general form, her her bright red or auburn hair comes out about shoulder blade length. Um, she has a tactical helmet on that her threads like reweave to form. Her gun stitches itself into a very realistic but completely non-functional automatic <laughs> rifle. Um, and she has, honestly, it probably would be uh, able to refract light like a, a flashlight that's like attached to her hand that you won't want to observe too closely, but that she's using to like redirect light and like uh, point around and shout and search and, you know, <laughs> agent things. Probably awesome. exaggerated, but, you know. But totally pulling it off. Yeah. And yeah, and I think you might be right that you uh, might be triggering your blank slate when you embody one of your lessons. Shift one label up and one label down of your choice. So what are you shifting and why? I think she's going to shift her freak down and her mundane up because she's blending in just fine. Mm-hmm. She's doing it perfectly. No one seems to notice. And I don't know why Bernadette was so worried. Like, these people seem all right. Like, you know, this is what we do. Yeah, they're just doing their jobs. You, you know. She enjoys the excitement and the electricity of the situation, not in <laughs> focus on the fact that like this is directed at her she's not a main character so i don't know why they would be here yeah you've seen ncis new olympus you know what's up and well you are pulling off this flawless uh act uh you've learned from the best kt you uh, so stitch you're kind of caught up in uh moving around and blending in and shouting out your locations and orders and what everything. But KT, you notice that this kind of sergeant who is moving throughout the room has some sort of device uh, that appears to have some sort of kind of like rangefinder display, um, not dissimilar from the fish finder device you created before, perhaps some kind of above water design. The sergeant is slowly moving closer and closer towards this uh, stranger that you just saw transform. Agent Baker was tied up at the door, and I overheard the sergeant telling everyone to bring in the assets. And one of those, one of the beings previously inside this building has become a Farsec agent. Therefore, they must be one of the assets that he was talking about. I'm going to have to try to find whatever uh, whatever Farsec is looking for in this building before they do. So I'm going to phase through this building as quick as I can through uh, through each room until I find somebody that I can speak to. Perhaps find out whether or not they are, they seem. 
Yeah, so you start phasing through some of the tr- dressing rooms, uh, different some uh, into the workshop in the back where they build different sets, down through kind of the orchestral pit, and into kind of Bernadette's office area, and eventually you find Stitch's room. Stitch, where is your where do you, where is your room in uh? the hijinks variety theater and what does it look like what have you got it decorated with oh what have you got lying around no i hadn't thought much about it but it would excellent probably come off as a little creepy because you know all i've probably been doing falling around the midnighters so it probably has posters and stuff from local theaters and shows that have mm-hmm. You know, like, there's a classic film festival, so she has, like, a Space Vessel Soldiers and uh, When Neptunians Invade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wall. Classics. Uh, she definitely has, like, some... I guess Polaroid? I don't know if we could develop film. That doesn't seem like something Stitch would go through the effort of. She definitely found an old Polaroid camera. Mm-hmm. It has, like, crappy, like, action shots that are, like, blurry of, like, Moonflower and the other Midnighters, but it never quite matches, you know, what she can see with her very advanced eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably, like, a little bit of a shrine. She has, like, a bunch of outfits and cool random items that she's, like, gathered. Um, you see, like, a whole, like, little whiteboard in the corner that just has, like, different type of fish and question marks and circles. <laughs> just trying to understand. And, uh... Some food wrappers from uh, the burger shop on the pier. She's definitely eat with the rest of the people, so she has those crumpled up and lying around. Like in the very back, tucked up like a couple of random staircases in a small corner, like a loft area. Just imagining the white boy just having trout, bass, herring? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, uh, only like some affirmative marks and like maybe a star beside Chinook salmon. <laughs> cool. And you said it's kind of up in a in a loft area. Awesome. So, Casey, you arrive in this uh little bedroom and see some familiar photos and some cool posters and uh what do you what do you think? This must be a place that Midas hangs out. He tends to sit in front of the mirrors at the abandoned Shopco, and when he thinks no one is looking, he takes pictures of himself for his little phone game, Tinder. Ah, yes. He must frequent this building, just like he frequents the library. I will continue my search and tell him he needs to tidy up more. It is beneath him. Meanwhile, downstairs, Stitch, you have noticed that the Farsec agents have been slowly circling more and more towards you. And the sergeant has been, who's been staring at this device beeping in his hands for the past several minutes, finally enters this, has kind of wandered into the same room as you. Uh, we'll say you're, we're, we're backstage, kind of wanders backstage. And looks down at the device and then looks up at you and makes eye contact and then like squints very suspiciously. What do you do? This is Agent Baker. This is her uh this is her kind of second in command, her sergeant. Uh he needs a name. What's his what's his name? Sergeant Can't oh putting me on the spot like that. Literally my brain freezes. Uh. Um Sergeant Stanford. At one point, I came up with Fredrickson, and it's like, that's way too long. Why would you? It would never fit on a name tag. <laughs> so Stitch will probably, like, definitely feel the weight of the stairs, because she doesn't get noticed a lot, and is definitely noticing the attention. And she'll probably sheepishly be like, uh, nothing here, sir. Uh, probably time to pack up and move on, right? Show me your badge and identification. She's going to reach down and sheepishly pull out, like, a name tag. It's probably not going to at all look like a Farsec bag. And she's going to say, Fredrickson. 
on like a little tiny thread that's gonna like extend out, and that's that's all she has. And Sergeant Stanford shouts into his con uh says, Contact! Backstage! All teams engage! 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 And the entire backstage is it immediately begins to be swarmed by Farsec agents. KT, you hear the kerfuffle going on downstairs. What do you do? I shall rocket towards backstage. What is what is Stitch doing when KT arrives? As about a half dozen agents are starting to make their way backstage and surround and apprehend you. Well, she can never let them find her, and that's not going so well. So she's just going to try to shift and push her way through. She's just gonna straight bull run near, like, wherever she sees a weakness in the circle of people surrounding her, even if it's like, you know, two agents as opposed to four on that side, mm-hmm. she's just gonna bull rush it. I'm she- going to assume right about now, because KT has the luxury of slipping through solid objects, that KT is now backstage. Yes, y- you assume correctly. I would like to take a split second to assist the situation. Please do. Uh, go ahead and roll plus your superior. One for six plus my three superior for a nine total. So on a seven to nine, you get to ask one and take plus one while acting on the answers. Uh, what here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is in the greatest danger? Who here is most vulnerable to me? How can we best end this quickly? What here is in the greatest danger? That would be this mysterious Farsec agent, Agent Frederick. The Farsec agent whose gun flashlight is not generating light. Yes, is not generating light, merely being extra refracting it. And, uh... Yeah, you also notice their gun is sewn into their hand. Uh, I am going to float as close as I can to uh, Sergeant Stanford, about right so that I'm eye to eye from him, and decloak only my head so it appears in front of him before I shout, You've got the wrong one! Amazing! I'll attempt to grab onto the Farsec agent that the other Farsec agents are attempting to apprehend. I can get a grab on them. I'm going to alter both of our densities and plunge us straight down. It sounds to me like you are trying to defend Stitch from an immediate threat. Go ahead and roll plus savior. Wait, I do have a question real quick. Yeah. Are we a team engaged in the fight yet? Ooh, that is a very good question. So, KT, it might be safe to assume that this being is whoever the Farsight capture team was sent to capture. It seems that way. And so I guess, uh, Stitch, it depends on how do you see yourself as on a team with KT working to together to take on these foes? I saw KT's head appear, correct? Yes. I believe everyone looking towards the sergeant did. <laughs> so she's going to have like a split second like starstruck moment, but then instantly it's just going to be like in the oh. panel and in the scene and in the moment. And she absolutely feels like she's either part of the team or in the moment because Katie's here, like one of the characters. Awesome. Awesome. So like it, it's on. I think that totally, yes. Then in that case, I think you two are totally coming together as a team and entering a battle against a dangerous foe. So we add two teams to the pool. Uh, we start with one at the beginning of the session, so we're already up to three. Who is the leader of this little team? Okay, oh, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would assume since there is only one Midnighter on, on duty, that would automatically make KT the leader. Excellent. And um, KT does have influence over Stitch, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed. So, awesome. So, we get another team, so we're up to four. KT, what is your purpose in this fight? My purpose is to get Stitch out of this situation. Uh, Stitch, do you have a different purpose, or 
No, Stitch wants to be gone. I, I figured as much. I figured as much. to disappear, but like also was like, in the moment very much since she's seen KT, was maybe like second-guessing disappearing, but disappearing with KT is the best option. Cool, so we are up to five team. And uh, does anyone mistrust the leader or any other member of the team? There is no other member of the team for me to mistrust. Do you mistrust Stitch? I do not. Okay, cool. Stitch, do you trust KT? Stitch does trust KT. Cool, so we don't... 50% of the Midnighters you trust, KT is actually one of them. I don't <laughs> was down and noted it beforehand. <laughs> I remember they're the two that Stitch does not currently trust. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Um, cool, so we don't take a team away from the pool, and then uh, is the team ill-prepared or off-balance? What do you guys think? Stitch is ill-prepared and off-balance, absolutely, <laughs> yes. I, I think that is a fair assessment to I, me. I, I, could, I could agree with that. Cool, so we are at four team total in the pool. And KT, you are rolling to defend Stitch as she's trying to blast her way past these Farsec agents. That is a three plus two, five, plus my one savior for a six total. Ooh. They, we can at least get it to a seven. Stitch is going to notice KT and very much recognize the pattern of phasing and saving people. And she is going to redirect her threads in her pattern to essentially just like clinging to KT. Big old bear hug. As, as my hand touches uh, Stitch's threads, KT shall look Stitch in the eye and say, they tried to draw my blood. I have no blood to draw, so their artists instead are going to try to paint my brains upon the floor. I suggest you follow me. Stitch nods rapidly, very, very shooken by, by the imagery. And I guess uh, seven on, and nine on expose that. herself to danger or escalate the situation. Yes. Um, Oops, one of those do you choose? In my exuberance, I guess I'm going to... Uh, light my pants and become the brightest thing in the room and uh, make it somewhat easy to see that we are attempting to descend. Okay, so uh, you would be exposing yourself to danger? Uh, yes. And then you also get to choose one, add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear a condition. I shall add a team to the pool, as I have no conditions to clear, and I already have influence over somebody I am trying to protect. Cool. So that bumps us back up to four team. There is a hail of bullets and gunfire as, Stitch, you wrap yourself around KT, and the two of you begin to sink through the floor. As you're like halfway through... When you notice one of these mysterious black masked figures, one of the assets, is lunging forward, and in their hand, there's a crackle of red lightning magic coalescing into a rapier. And this agent just rips this sword out of nowhere and is lunging forward, and the magical blade pierces through your shoulder. And kind of like tears through you as you're sinking through the floor. Go ahead and take a powerful blow. Yes, uh, that is a six total. Uh, cool. And you have no conditions, Mark. So, and that is good. So, on a miss, you stand strong. Mark potential as normal and describe how you weather the blow. It looked like it was going to be very unfortunate to feel this crackling laser sword. Until I remembered, all lasers are made of light. So it's not like a, a lightsaber. It was just like a magically, the sword was covered in magic. It was as it was drawn into existence. The writer knows this. The editor knows this. But KT does not. I mean, Stitch is already so far down that rabbit hole that you can't stop it. <laughs> the moment that she realizes that KT is okay, she's going to get immediately incensed and spring into action. And 
probably unleash her powers to become one of her favorite characters, Space Queen Bea, with her plasma claymore from, you know, the iconic galaxy fights. And yes. she's yes. going to directly engage a threat, or that is her intention. So, Stitch, uh, yeah, so you are leaping upwards, and yeah, yes, going ham. Like, at least the, uh, the physical viewing of watching things, she kind of, like, frees herself from KT in this moment, seeing, you know, what's mm-hmm. happening. She, she's no longer thinking of escape. She's, she snapped to basically what the Midnighters do, defending someone. And she's, she's shifting awesome. that moment and going after the threat. Are you attacking to take this guy out? and, you know, cause harm? Or are you attacking, or are you trying to protect KT from stabby laser swords? You know, in her head, she's probably thinking that she's protecting, but it's more like the movie. She's in her heart, she is truly attacking. attacking. Like, she <laughs> I love it. Doesn't, this is her first engagement where she's ever used her powers. She probably doesn't know the extent of them. Um, or what her I love it own alloy sword can do. Go ahead and roll plus danger to directly engage a threat. Oh, that is. Let's see what my danger is. Right now we have a three and a one. Ooh. Uh. Okay. So we have uh, a five total. A five total. Bummer. <laughs> um, they, uh, her cinnamon roll. Side braids may not serve her as well as she hoped. <laughs> uh, so you leap into action with your giant plasma claymore against an opponent who is an incredible swordsman. And he leaps backwards and avoids your like wild swing and lashes... Uh, like in a thousand lightning fast lunges with his rapier, it starts like cutting away at the fabric in your armor and like around your weapon and where it's like connected to your hands. And yeah, and he is just absolutely dicing you with his sword. And I think you're gonna also need to take a powerful blow. All right, income. That is, I have no conditions at the moment. But that is still a hit at a ten, four and a six. Ooh, okay. On a ten plus, choose one. You must remove yourself from the situation. Flee, pass out, etc. You lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way. Or two options from the seven to nine list. Uh, and I could read that out too if you would like. I'm gonna struggle past the pain and mark two conditions. Um, one being guilty. Mm-hmm. And hopeless, seeing as the situation is not going to how Stitch would have wanted it to. This is not typically how the Warrior Princesses fights go. No, and certainly not like on the first episode. Usually they have many triumphs before they have like the humbling defeat and the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. rebuilding. This is just like... This is not going according to plan. He's thinking like, oh, I may not be the final girl if I just like the girl who dies at the start of whatever movie. <laughs> Am I wearing a red shirt? <laughs> Am I just You should have paid more attention to Xena. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Dina the Barbarian Goddess is one of her icons, but you know... With her fighting skills, I don't think she could live up to her legacy. <laughs> and then... I guess the second one would be... I lash out verbally and provoke a team to foolhardy action or take advantage of influence to inflict a condition. I can't do that, so I'm just going to lash out verbally. So, awesome. So th- Damn it! That's not how this is supposed to go. Um, and so you have to provoke KT to do something foolhardy or dangerous or rash. Uh, for this option to, because I think this is the first time anyone's ever chosen this, uh, yet. Oh. Um, but yeah, so when you lash out verbally to provoke someone, you are, you have to tell them to do something. Like, it's like attacking your teammates for not having your back, that they should have protected you, that they're not doing their job. Like, it's like. Option then? Because that's not what I intended with that. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. You can pick something else if you'd like. 
Um, but yeah, but that's what that option is. Like you, you get, you get hurt and you take it out on your team. Oh, gotcha. That's definitely not her mindset in the moment. Let's see. Then, uh, you give ground, your opposition gets an opportunity then. Awesome. Um, so, and as you are getting like stabbed and poked and prodded and kind of humiliated with this incredible display of skill, you're getting kind of pushed backwards out onto the stage. And across the stage, on the other side of the auditorium, uh, we get a panel showing the second asset entering the room, and the their backpack uh, makes a ominous <laughs> as it begins to glow brighter and brighter, and he levels his massive laser cannon at the stage. KT. You have just seen your new friend uh, leap recklessly into the fray. What are you going to do? I'm going to grab a hold of uh, this being once more. So she stops acting like Southpaw, and I'm going to <laughs> unleash my powers. Um, awesome. What are you? What are you trying to do with your gravity manipulation? I'm going to center. I'm going to center the gravity upon myself, reverse it to at least the uh, the force of Earth's gravitational pull doubled to make everything fall away from Stitch and myself before rocketing upwards. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, you were definitely unleashing your powers, but you might wind up, I think you might actually be directly engaging a threat. If you're intending to cause harm to these agents that are attacking. Do they underestimate me? Interesting. Um, almost certainly. They, then. yeah, they think you probably are just have like, you know, some invisibility and matter phasing powers. Then Farsec has activated the littlest space bandit and I roll with superior instead of danger. Oh my gosh. Can you just, is that, uh, is that uh, all that move? Can you just read that move real quick? Mainly because it has the best name in the game, but also when KT, the littlest space bandit. Thank you. Directly engages a threat that underestimates themselves. Roll plus superior instead of danger. Uh, so go ahead and roll plus superior. That is a five and a one for six plus three superior for a nine total. Awesome. We have four team in the pool. If Stitch, if you want to bump that up to a ten. Absolutely. Stitch absolutely. Awesome. How are you helping take on these, this massive crowd? So I think for a moment to give KT the distraction they need. Stitch is going to kind of create like a chaotic whirl with her needle. At this point, they're already there for it, and she has no means of really concealing it. So it's going to start doing laps, kind of just like knocking and bumping Farsec agents, like, trying to deflect bullets, just kind of like yes. circular spinning, like, violent thread pattern that, like, kind of weaves up and down her body um, as it travels, as you can see the threads moving up and down her form. That's um, so cool. But she weaves it so that she's always avoiding KT without actually physically moving her form. She doesn't want to disturb what they're doing. Incredible. So you two are working in just perfect harmony as uh, KT, you are surrounded by this tornado of thread and needle as it is battering and bashing away the Farsec agents long enough for you to coalesce your power and send them flying backwards across the room and then rocketing towards the ceiling. So uh, on a hit, you trade blows with your enemy and on a 10 plus, you get to pick two. Resist or avoid their blows, take something from them, create an opportunity for your allies, or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. We are going to resist their blows, and then we are going to create an opportunity to escape. 
fantastic. That sounds wise, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the two of you working together pull off this incredible combo move and, uh, about a dozen agents and the two assets get knocked away, uh, go f- flying into the ceiling. The, um, the asset that was holding the, the rapier, uh, it, the sword kind of dissolves as he lets go of it and he like slams and hits his head on the wall and like the helmet kind of cracks and he kind of like shakes his head and looks really confused before he is thrown up into the ceiling. You definitely, yeah, have an opportunity. These guys are all like flat on their asses on the ceiling right now. Wondering what is up, or down, rather. I'm going to grab Stitch by what I think is her hand, so she doesn't fall upwards as well, and then uh, float us next stage area. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, you guys managed to quickly just, uh, yeah, dart backstage and out into the alleyway and uh, disappear into the sky, or wherever you would like to go. So just like as we're disappearing, like moments after the action, Stitch is just like, oh my god, KT, thank you so much. It was like perfect timing. Like, how how did you even know? I'll look Stitch into her false eyes and reply, I do not know why they gave me the name Graviton. No one seems to use it. That's going to take Stitch back a second. And, like, honestly, probably a powerful blow right there. Oh, really? Yeah. She considers herself a big fan of the Midnighters and, like, not knowing because, honestly, I have it written down on the character sheet, but no one uses Graviton, so Stitch wouldn't either. (laughs) She's kind of mortified at this faux pas. Gosh. She was the, trying to fit in and didn't realize that KT was. <laughs> yeah. The KT stands for Jean Grey. <laughs> so, uh, oh my she's god! Got two conditions marked, and here comes the roll. Just devastating! Oh gosh! Oh, this is a, this is a devastating blow. Got a thirteen right there. Oh my gosh! Um, ouch! So yeah. Um, Katie, you see the false eyes of your companion just fall and like the, the eyes are the window to the soul and you see their spirit break. <laughs> so Stitch, um, again, uh, so you must remove yourself from the situation, flee, pass out, etc. Lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way or two options from the seven to nine list. She is absolutely going to pass out. And then probably re- write a new lesson that's always remember people's names. <laughs> and make sure it's the right one. Oh my gosh. So she's just like in this moment gonna like, for the dramatic effect, like she just gets the Pokemon KO squiggly eyes. Like, <laughs> dramatic. Um, you just kind of see, like, the life fade after that, and she's gonna, like, slightly slump however you're holding her. Like, she's very sturdy, so the grip doesn't give, but, like, there's just a kind of a gap in her weave, and she's, like, uncannily, like, stretchy in a way that doesn't seem right for someone who appears so humanoid. She's just kind of hollow. Oof. And you just totally go limp and just shut down? Oh yeah, she passes out. Definitely a fainting moment. Oh, she has to reserve, remove herself from the situation according to the rules of the game. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. I didn't expect necessarily a thirteen, but with the two conditions, the guilty and the yeah, oh, really like this was she let not, me down in the moment, wasn't able to protect him, and then you know, not how you expected this to go at all. Yeah, oh, that is not what oh. she wanted to do on her first meeting with them. So, KT, where does Stitch find herself when she awakens? Stitch finds herself on top of a cloud with a, uh, with a small, small takeout cup of boba tea 
being held offer to her as we sit <laughs> we sit several several hundred feet above uh above Ainsley Academy overlooking Midtown New Olympus. So she's gonna come to kinda sleepily in a way she's not used to because she kind of cat sleeps but doesn't really sleep. As in, if you ever approached her, she would always recognize and mm-hmm. know something's going on in most cases, so she's a little thrown off. By her surroundings, I don't think so. Um, one of her first memories is falling through the sky, so like just being suspended in the sky seems strangely okay. And she's just going to notice her surroundings in the boba tea and be like, Oh, Graviton. Ah, I'm sorry. And then what? just like awkwardly sip the tea as like a scarf starts weaving its way like around her and around the straw, kind of like up to her nose. And she just kind of like sit there and sit, which she has biological functions, but she doesn't actually need to eat. So it's like there's probably a weird like rustling sound as her thread like tries to dissolve or do something with the tapioca balls, this substance it's never had to break down before. (laughs) Upon noticing the scarf that Stitch is attempting to give herself, KT will look over and ask, are you cold? Also, I would ask, um, when you were apologizing, would you, Stitch, do you think you could have been sharing a vulnerability or weakness with someone? Yeah. I think that would be fair. Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and read uh, that that drama move for the newborn? Okay. When I share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, if their response helps you understand human feelings and problems, mark potential. If their response confuses or offends, you shift your freak up and your mundane down. So, yeah. So, KT, you asked, are you, are you cold? Are you cold? <laughs> um, you are giving yourself a scarf. I think, in an odd way, it does help her understand human feelings and problems, because and this is a human problem, and she responds, oh, oh no, I'm not cold. I don't get cold, unless it's, like, really, really cold, and it's it's not that cold. She just vaguely threw it out there with not much knowledge. She understands her system probably couldn't handle terribly cold, but she doesn't know what that is, nor has she experienced it. It's no so reference. Think, uh, for her, at least, it seemed like, you know. What are you apologizing for? I I didn't call you by your right name. I'm, I'm sorry. It's... I should have asked. KT shall start manipulating the ambient light that's coming up from the city below us. And have uh, photons start orbiting us slower and slower until the light breaks down to its individual wavelengths, giving us a small halo of rainbow light as we slowly look over the city. Moonflower and Southpaw and the Righteous, they all have these names, but... None of those names are the names that their families have given them. These are names that they use to keep themselves and their loved ones safe from those who would wish to produce harm upon them. They gave me the name Graviton, although none of them use it, because I do not have a family, and as of yet they are not quite mine. Maybe someday they will call me Graviton. But for now, KT will suffice. As well, we need to nod because this is something that definitely like relates to her. It's not something I think she's thought about. Her lack of a family or really where she came from because that was not really yeah. when she uh, came into being. Yeah. She got very wrapped up in all the action and everything in the world. 
she sort of was high functioning above the thought about her her outside experiences. Say her her response would essentially be, "I don't think I entirely understand, but I hope that happens one day for you too, Graviton." I think KT, you might have also shared a vulnerability or weakness. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Perhaps do you feel that? It is a vulnerability indeed to reveal that you are alone. That is, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. Um, so what are, what is that same move for the outsider? When you share a vulnerability or a weakness with someone, they tell you what you should do to fit in more. Take plus one forward to do it and mark potential if you do. Awesome. So Stitch, yeah. How do you think KT, what should KT do to fit in more? So, so that they're not, they're not so alone. And then I also, while you're, while you're chewing on that, I also think you may have comforted and supported KT. May have been the case. So we might, we might do that as well. I think Stitch is going to kind of not knowingly, but almost selfishly be like, well, I may not be them, but I'm here. And if it's okay, I won't be going anywhere. But it's it's totally okay if you wanna you wanna introduce me to Moonflower too. Like I, I think that would help. Just be out of nowhere, not really in tune with Katie's emotions. She hasn't developed a lot of external empathy because she's newly born. Um, that that checks out. Yeah. Sad moment, but like most TV shows, she moved on quickly without probably truly validating or understanding his experiences. And then plug Moonflower. Uh, KT, you get uh, plus one forward to introducing <laughs> Stitch to the to the Midnighters, and you get you get to mark potential if you do. It seems like a very good idea indeed to introduce you to Moonflower, and I'll grab Stitch around her waist and then rocket towards the Shopco at 300 miles an hour. Um, and then, real, real quick, I, I do want to, I do want to resolve that that comfort and support because I think that totally happened as well. Uh, so, comfort and support is a basic move. Uh, when you comfort and support someone, roll plus mundane. On a hit, they hear you. They mark potential clear condition or shift labels if they open up. On a 10 plus, you can also add a team or mark or clear condition yourself. So, yeah, Stitch, go ahead and roll plus mundane. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right. We have a 8 minus 1, 7. So, um, on a hit, they hear you. Um, so, yeah. So, KT, did you... Did you open? Do you want to open up? Did you do you feel like you opened up? I think technically telling somebody you just met that you're an orphan several thousand feet above the city is probably one of the definitions of opening up. I do not wish to try to game the system. I'm just saying. No, no, that uh, that does check out. According to the system, uh, the ultimate arbiter of that, whether or not you opened up, is uh, Stitch, the person doing the comforting and supporting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm awesome. mocking these people for at least a month now. Because, uh, <laughs> this is my first opportunity to get into absolutely uh, uh, opened up to us. Cool. KT, you can uh, mark potential, clear condition, or shift labels. I have no conditions to clear. I kind of... I think I will lower my mundane to minus two. Whoa. Raise my freak to plus two. Whoa. And what does Stitch's face look like on the last panel of our comic as you are being uh, hurtled towards hurtled. the surface of the earth <laughs> several thousand feet in the air? At a terrifying speed. At this part, point, just pure joy. Like maybe slightly elongated pure joy, as like the G forces are <laughs> leaving. Um, but she's very durable and strong. Like she does not probably have the same senses of vertigo or uncomfortability with this kind of like exposure. So she is all for it. She loves that graviton is taking 
her to their base and to meet their team. She is just pure joy. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at Galvanic Man. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Big Sky Charlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at theohamptonphoto.com. Stitch is played by Justin Reed. Wonder World Comics is produced and edited by Michael Dunham. The music is from Dvorak Symphony No. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at wwcomicspodcast or send us an email at wwcomicspodcast at gmail.com.